Welcome to Awaken Life Radio, a podcast about being a spiritual being, having a human experience in a world gone mad. Each week, we discuss how you can heal yourself, cultivate your intuitive superpowers, and be a sacred vessel for planetary healing. I am your host, Narayani Gaia. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Life Radio. I am your hostess, Narayani Gaia, and I'm here with a very special guest, my new favorite yoga teacher, I must say, Mr. Joe Taft. Hi, Joe. Hey, Narayani. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for joining me. We are recording this across town from each other, probably just a couple of miles away in Asheville. And several months ago, I realized that I really needed to, I really wanted to up my yoga practice. So I started taking classes at Asheville Yoga Center and I met some amazing teachers and you are one of them. And I just found and find that your classes are like these mini ceremonies and really take me in this full circle experience. And I think it was just the first class I took with you. I was like, can I interview you? Cause I wanted to share you with the listeners of Awaken Life Radio. Cause I thought you were um, good. And, and specifically I experienced that you were really embodying what you were teaching at the time in the classes. And that is one of the main focuses of Awaken Life Radio and of Awaken Life community that we are working to not just get information, but apply it. And so when you told me that you had some connection with, um, I think it's white tantric lineage, right? You have a connection with white tantric lineage. I've studied tantric. on and off for about 18 years, like non-dual Shaiva Tantra. Yeah. Yeah. So non-dual Shaiva Tantra, for those who don't know, is very traditional Shivite lineage teachings from the Himalayas and that are rooted in unification of self with the divine. And then like a lot of people think Tantra is just like the red sexy Tantra, but white Tantra is, is another term for personal connection with the divine, just to name that. So I want to jump right in with you, Joe, on this topic that I find really fascinating and our listeners seem to find fascinating, which has to do with really applying spiritual knowledge and information. And so you are a teacher who's taught for 20 years, right? 20 years, 20 plus years. And you've also trained teachers and you're presently in this epic deep dive um, to become an official yoga therapist um, with some of the top trainers, I'd say probably in the West. And you've seen a lot. I see your classes. People are different sizes and shapes and ages. I see how you interact with people. You seem to be able to connect with all different kinds of people. And so I I feel like you have the experience to answer this question, Mm -hmm. which is also rooted in kind of white privilege Asheville. I just need to name that. But from the people that you serve, what do you find is the thing that people are really struggling with spiritually on their journey, because I think there's been so much disassociation of spirituality because of religion and so much piecemealing spirituality from the internet that we don't have often people that are 
as rooted in spiritual living and teaching to to get guidance from unless we're following like a certain religious practice. But I, one of the things I appreciate you is you seem very open to the universality, universal, universality, universality of not universe, not university, but of the, the collective wisdom that yoga has helped awaken. I know I can relate with that with you. So will you share with our listeners about what you feel like people are really struggling with on a spiritual level um, at this time? Yes. Um, I, first of all, I'd like to say that I am really grateful that uh, so many different types of people come to my class. And um, in general, I'm 49. And in general, the people, if the means of the age is actually a little older than me, which I find really interesting. And um, because it is, I believe the cause of that is because it is a um, heart-based or what you might even call like a spiritual-based practice. Um, and older people tend to be, I'm generalizing, but older people tend to be like drawn to that a little bit more. So interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. As we get, you know, closer to the end of our life, I think we search for, you know, the essence of things more or the, the, uh, of things, so to speak. And, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, so what is it that, um, so to answer your question, Yes. Which is, which is, I'm going to repeat your, your question just to make sure I'm yes. on target. Yes. Is that why is it that people are drawn or what is the thing in people's lives um, that is not their spiritual practice? Why they are not doing the spiritual practice in a sense? Is that kind of your. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we don't know what we don't know. And that's when sometimes teachers and mentors, because, you know, I mentor people, I have a lot of teachers, you know, people that I lean on for guidance and support. I have friends that I consider like teachers as well, because we always, we can always help each other through transformation. But I think there's a lot that I'm asking from the perspective, not in the way that marketing looks at what people's problems are, because marketing assumes that people know what their problem is but from the perspective of what you see that people struggle with spiritually, like, like what are spiritual struggles, right? So if it was Christianity, they'd be like, because not everybody believes Jesus be like, what does that even mean? Um, You know, um, spiritually, is it identity issues? Like you had, we started talking about this earlier. What is it that you feel like people are disconnected from? I guess we can acknowledge that a spiritual struggle is, is one that keeps you in the illusion that you're not connected to all infinite love and all that is. So what would be a, what, what's something that you see that if people had and understood, they'd be able to embody a deep connection and purpose and peace. So I, um, I believe in general that people aren't as present in their life as um, we could be. We tend to be on all the autopilot. There's this, um, there's this thing called the economy and the economy is kind of driving us. Um, it's this huge energy thing. It's, the economy is driving us into the future. 
because it says you'll have something that you need. It's right in front of you. You have to kind of move and get it. And, uh, and this, as you know, is completely the opposite of a yoga experience or a spiritual experience. So mm-hmm. the, so the, the, the answer to your question is presence. It's to be more present in the moment. And, um, and you've probably heard this before. Like, I mean, as, as you're hearing me say that, like some of you are like, uh, yeah, like I've heard that one before, but I really do think that is, you know, to, to say it in a really black and white way, that is, um, that is the answer. But to break that answer down a little bit in a way that you could like uh, chew on it a little bit, because we have to have it in a way that we can chew on it. You know, one time I was at a, a gathering here where I live and, um, and there was a, a person that uh, I ended up talking to and I go, oh yeah, you're into this. It was like some movement and they go, um, they go, yeah, I go, well, what's it about? And he goes, well, it's about consciousness. And I go, oh, well, that's cool. Tell me about it. And, and he said, just consciousness. It's like, okay, that's great. Well, like, tell me more, tell me more. He's like, if I say any more, I'll ruin it, you know? And, <laughs> and in a sense, he's right. You know, the first verse of the Tao Te Ching says, if you talk about it, it's not it. So, um, so in a sense, this person was right, but that's what we're doing. Like we're having a conversation and we've learned yeah. great conversations. So we're having a conversation about uh, basically being more present because you have to be, see, presence for some people is the practice other people presence is a prerequisite for the practice so it always involves presence for example people say for example they go well you know i don't really believe in presence i trust god or whatever well you have to be present to experience true god if you're if you're not present as a kind of a intensely present as a prerequisite requisite to experience the highest or the universal, then that's mind cultivated material. And then you're worshiping your own mind or you're worshiping ideas. So so presence is either the end goal or it is a prerequisite to whatever you're calling, you know, the higher universal or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because in the work that I've been doing the last many years, which came out of my own um, awakening integration journey, presence is way before trust because and many things are before trust is the 12th energetic that is easy to embody after 11 other things are embodied presence is like the fifth one Mm. but the reason is because there's work to do before you let go It's not like, oh, just God will just take care of everything. Oh, I'm sleeping on someone's couch and I can't pay rent and I don't get along with anyone and I don't know where I'm living tonight, but God's taking care of me. It's like, no, dude, I'm taking care of you or whoever's couch you're on is taking care of you. So so it's to me, I see that as something that is a choice. Presence is a choice. And trust is something that is healthy to behold when you've made the choices, there's this really, really amazing couple. Oh gosh, I'll have to look up and, and share about them. I forgot their names. They live in Colorado. I met them a long time ago and they, they teach something called the trust frequency and getting in the frequency of trust. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, presence is one of the stepping stones. Now that's different than like grace or like the divine, the Holy Spirit, like that comes to you or awakens from within you. 
but it's close. And the reason we talk about it is so that people will get it because we do need our minds in the journey. The spiritual journey, in my experience, if it is not integrated with the mind, emotional, body, physical energies, it remains conceptual. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So in your experience, what keeps people from, from being present? And is presence the same as being present? Um, yes, being present, uh, being present, for example, you know, like in your yoga practice, if you're into yoga, like myself, whether it's meditation or, um, you know, some kind of uh, subtle movement or breath work, then yes, presence is an in-the-body experience. And that's my area of expertise. I, um, I teach people to be in the body, um, present in the body. And, and then uh, there's other people that have uh, experience around presence, like presence with another person. Um, and I believe that if you pre practice present being in the body, then you're going to be present with other people. Amen. Um, yeah. And there, now there can be, um, there can be this thing like, oh, I'm present with my pain, which is quite important, but you get so drawn in to being present in the body that you start like not paying attention to the world outside of you, which and like, like you mentioned earlier, like non-dual Shaiva, whatever traditions. So many of these traditions are in the world traditions. And that's not what I teach. I teach to be in the body and be present in the body and in the breath but to, to like be in the world more fully. So um, as a side effect, you know, your to-do list could also be your spiritual practice, but, but being embodied in that process. So, um, so I believe presence in the body is a foundation for all of their presence in a sense. Do you find that, in, that pain keeps people from being in presence? Yes, pain I and trauma um, mm -hmm. that you've had in the past. Um, that is definitely um, keeps you from being present because what if you go present, what if you get present, especially in the body and you have like pain in there? Well, your only solution is to deal with it. If you want right. to stay present in at least that part of the body, you have to deal with it. And because right. in the yoga tradition, we don't necessarily believe that you, uh, we don't believe in taking care of your pain by kind of going back and unraveling it. We, we even go, we go so far to say that doesn't work. Um, we believe that being present in the moment um, is the solution, but will that pain from, come from the past and you have to deal with it in the present? Absolutely. So there's no, there's no avoiding, but, um, but yeah, being present is the solution in, in my opinion, in my experience. Well, three things. One is in my experience, people cannot be as, they can be more fully present when they've done work to clear out the lower chakra energies. So that's why in Awakened Life School, we always work with grounding, feeling, love, and clearing energy before mm. presence mm. Um, and really work, make sure people are clearing their energy, dismantling the stories of codependency, um, why they have addiction, things like that, and get to those roots and feel through them and awaken the divine heart and practice cultivating that love consciousness, infinite love before they can really actually awaken the third eye and, or begin to, um, integrate awaken third eye, which I find is also crucial for presence. And so what you're saying is, 
is interesting. And it's a reminder because, because I've done so much weaving of Eastern and Western teachings and practices that it's, it's a good reminder. It reminds me of the sutra. Um, what's it called? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up. Pradipakshabhavana. We're turning negative thoughts into positive thoughts. Yeah, it's in the Yoga Sutras. And I was taught that. And the other thing that comes up is teaching from Dr. Vasant Lad and how Ayurveda helps us so much to, to weave, you know, the it's the right hand to the left, it's the right hand to the left hand path mm. in yoga, sister science of yoga, to understand the nature of the body. Mm. and the the constitution and prakriti and vrakriti and understand those things and how um dr lad said the root cause of all disease is misidentification of self mm. excellent right right so like if if you don't know who you are <laughs> it's just like all such a cosmic joke so it's so backwards then like being driven by an economy and cons- and consuming things that may quote unquote, make us happy. Right. Mm -hmm. If you don't know who you are, you can't get to the root of your disease. Mm -hmm. Can you share in your experience, how you've seen people awaken their nature to overcome different levels of suffering and how that's helped them on their path or even for yourself? This is a good time. We can even get into, you can, I'd love to hear for your own, from your own experience on the spiritual journey you know, how you've been able to, cause I know you're a deep spiritual bro and I know you work on that level, even though you're approachable and you're, you know, a grounded guy, but I've experienced in your class some profound spiritual teachings and embodying them. Mm-hmm. So, um, can you share a little about your journey of how your spiritual, um, energy has helped you and how you've woven that mm. to, um, maybe change your life or create new results? Um, I think the, the real, the, the, the answer to that is um, what I have done for myself is also what I've done for, you know, what I do for, you could even say work. It's not my favorite word for it, but um, service dharma yeah 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 and but i do have an income from it so on some level it's service and work combined or um but that's okay <laughs> yeah my yeah totally that's what i'm i'm, I'm in 2022 yeah i'm okay with that yeah and mm-hmm. so the you know for me is taking experiences that i have and, and, or, or have studied, or I've had these experiences that are what, you know, some people might call spiritual experiences or, or big picture universal or whatever, and bringing them down into everyday ideas. Uh, something somebody could chew on, for example, mentally, if they wanted to, um, or to have an inner body experience. Like what? Due to it. For example, like, um, you know, in regards to presence, which we're talking about, it's the difference between like routine and ritual. So um, routine would be something that you do as a means to an end. Um, uh, you might like it, you might like it, you might dislike it, it doesn't really matter, but you go through your day 
and you get this stuff done. You get this uh, routine done. But instead of doing it as a routine, doing it as more of a ritual. So doing it with a, a, a really high level of uh, presence and appreciation and uh, kind of pouring yourself into it, almost as if this action that you were doing, this activity you were doing was like more important than you. And then that turns it into something that gives back more. So I'll give you an example because examples tend to be helpful. So the example that I've been using as of late is if I wake up in the morning, a lot of times I wake up in the morning, I put my feet on the floor and I pull my curtains open because it's nice to have the light come in. And, um, and that works. But if, I, but if I get up and I go to the curtain and I say a little bit of a, I don't know, you could call it a gratitude or a prayer or, you know, like I'm really fond of the phrase, Om Namah Shivaya. Um, and you say a little something, then you open the curtains and then you let the sunlight come in and like touch you, touch you, you know, like bless you in a sense. And you're completely there for the experience. Then uh, that's what you might call a ritual. And so, mm-hmm. um, so it's about turning everyday stuff into something very special, or you could even say the word sacred. Sacred, yeah. Yeah. Please, please say the word sacred. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't know what this audience is like, but I think uh, special is also a really good word. And sacred is, man, a really good word as well. And I feel like we have a lot of confusion around what's sacred because of religion has kind of fucked up a lot of people. Pardon mm-hmm. my New York accent. You know, it's it has it's confused people and left a lot of people yearning for communion. Now, maybe in yoga class, people that do a lot of practice year after year after mm-hmm. year, they start to experience bliss. They start to you start to experience health. You start to experience freedom from pain. You start to experience a sense of accomplishment community, like all these wonderful Mm -hmm. things come from deep practice. And what I'd like to do from this podcast is really inspire people maybe who haven't done yoga. You don't have to do yoga. You can do, you can walk and it can be yoga with presence. Absolutely. Right. You can apparently open the, open the shades in the morning with presence. You know, this idea, if you will, or this, this, uh, this initial question that you said, is like, why are people uh, disconnected? Well, in a conversation like this, I want to leave people with like a flavor. Like I want to, I want them to, to leave. And I want something to like, uh, for lack of a better word, haunt them, haunt in a positive sense of the word, you know, stay with them. And, and I think the subject matter of yoga is like so huge, you know, like to, to go, Hey, well, like we started off, Hey, well, let's, let's, uh, the solution is to be more present or, but, uh, but, you know, if you think about the things that you do in your life as routine versus ritual, then, and you play with this for like a few days, or let's say you commit to like a week of this awareness around routine versus ritual, then that is, um, that, you know, a year from now, you could be sitting still or about to fall asleep and you go, mm, you know, routine 
versus ritual could come back because like I've already said it so many times and this is kind of what I do for a living. Like I, I say things over and over and, mm-hmm. um, and I, I ask people to have a, a, a body experience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, and, and I, and I really do want people to bring themselves to their activity because the activity is not what's sacred. It's the way you bring yourself to it, which is sacred. Right. Um, so beautiful. Um, yeah. And there's, there's, uh, you know, there's stories about it. There's like, uh, there's even stories where the, the once upon a time, there's myth stories about it, where the, the sages, they like go into the forest, into the sacred forest, and they, they live in the forest and, uh, and they do their ritual over and over, but they do their ritual so much. They f- start forgetting about the sacredness. They lose the sacredness of it because they just do it over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, um, and then one day Lord Shiva recognizes this and, and it, um, and it hurts in a sense. And so Lord Shiva goes to uh, Lord Vishnu and says, Hey, let's, let's stir things up a little bit. And so, um, so what they do is they dress in, in, uh, they take shape, I should say, not only dress, but they take shape as these uh, very interesting characters. Shiva dresses or takes the form of like a beggar, but like, think like really sexy beggar. If you've ever thought about, uh, if you've ever seen like maybe a guy who surfs a lot and doesn't really take care of himself and has like tons of sun and he's been surfing all day and he comes up out of the water, like, you know, like that kind of sexy. And then, and then, Mm -hmm. uh, and then Vishnu um, actually turns himself, takes the shape of like a woman, but a very voluptuous woman and uh, very stunning and, and uh, appealing. And so then they, they kind of enter the sacred forest. And as they enter the community, of these sages, then when they enter the community, some of the, some of the people are drawn to more of the feminine shape and the feminine energy of Vishnu. And then some are drawn towards Shiva. And as they spend time there, they start to realize that these two kind of mischievous characters are like disturbing things. You know, have you ever had anybody in your life that's like disturbs your practice a little bit? (laughs) And, and, uh, and so, and, and as they, and and they, eventually they even want them to leave. They're like, Hey, you're disturbing our, our, we call those pattern interrupters. (laughs) If it's it's positive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and, but, but they don't like it, you know, the sages, they don't like it. Right. And they want them out of there. They want to kind of stay with their routine. Right. Like Shiva and Vishnu know that they're pattern interrupting, but the other people are like, you're just annoying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right, right. So, so they're finally, they try to get them out and, get them out and they won't leave and they kind of like settle in. And so then um, eventually they kind of tell them to leave and they go, nah, we're not leaving. And uh, so the sages kind of, they build this fire and their power starts to return because they want them out of there so much. And as they build this uh, uh, ritualistic fire, 
they start cultivating almost like a sense of curse. And they take the curse and they, they throw the curse. They, they cultivate these things in the fire. One of the things they cultivate is like a, is like a snake. And they take the snake and they throw it at Shiva. And as the snake comes, Shiva tames the snake with his gaze and then takes the snake, wraps the snake around his waist. And then they, they cultivate this, this tiger. And this tiger comes up out of the fire and they curse the, 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 uh, the tiger at Lord Shiva and Shiva takes, and as it comes, he, he takes Vishnu. No, no, but it's all, it's all kind of at both of them, you know. Okay. Okay. It was kind of standing in front because then this is a story about the Lord of yoga. Okay. Okay. Making sure you stay on your path. Okay. okay. That's like the, that's like the Shiva, Shiva's job, you know, in a sense, in the tradition, he's the Lord of yoga. So he takes the, 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 the pinky finger of his thumb and he skins the tiger as it comes his way. And then he, he wraps the cloak around him. And it's one thing after another. They throw some of the fire at him and he catches the fire in his upper left hand. Um, and then they take this, this um, demon, this huge demon called Apasmara. You might've heard of Apasmara and they throw the demon at it. And as it cur- comes, he, ta- he dwarfs the demon. Uh, it's the demon of forgetfulness. And then he stands on top of the, stands on top of the, demon and starts to do this really interesting dance where his hair starts to sweat you know flow out to the sides and there's fire all around him and he's dancing and vishnu is part of the dance and the watching and um and then and uh it turns into this what we call ananda tandava the dance of bliss and and as this dance starts to happen all the spiritual practitioners the sages their eyes are opened and they start to say, wow, we've been really doing, we've been doing really just routine instead of ritual. Mm. So uh, that's the, that's the story that comes to mind for me when I think of routine versus ritual. Mm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So there's a lot in there. So uh, our, the things that are annoying us and, and get it seeming to get in the way could be the greatest teachers to make mm-hmm. sure that we're paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of something that I talked with someone on the plane yesterday. Cause I flew back mm-hmm. from being with my family up in New York mm-hmm. and I met mm-hmm. this woman and I was just kind of talking to her. She's like in her late twenties, seems like free spirit from Colorado, but she was, mm-hmm. she was talking the whole time, like to herself, like to the side. I said, eventually she paused and said, are you preparing for a presentation? She's like, yeah, yeah, I have to give it to I said, what do you do? She said, oh, I'm a financial whatever. I said, mm. oh, that's interesting. Because I remember when I first started teaching workshops, I would just talk to myself in the air. Maybe maybe you've done that or used to do that when you started teaching, right? Lots. Like, right, I be- just, I'm a big believer in like talking to yourself, like talk talking yourself. it out loud. Yeah. yeah, practice like naming it and preparing for yes, a presentation. Yes. And um so she shared and we talked and she goes, well, what do you do? And it's always interesting to try to explain to people what I do. I said, well, I'm, I don't know what I said. I'm a healer and I'm, you know, I'm a spiritual life coach. And, oh, wow. That's, yeah. I said, well, I'm a, me- a meditation and mindfulness coach, embodiment coach. And she yeah. goes, oh, that's, uh, what's that about? So, uh, so I explained it and she goes, well, who is it that you work with? What kind of, you know, problems do you solve? What do you, you know, what, mm-hmm. what do you do? And, and I was really thinking about it and who actually 
really benefits from learning how to go deep into the spiritual work that I've been taught to do that I share how to do. And there's a certain element of being a spiritual seeker, a certain quality. And what was coming up was, you know, it might not be the right thing for you. She's like, oh yeah, I did a meditation class in college, but I couldn't quiet my mind, which is a whole nother podcast to talk about. Like the, mm-hmm. the illusion that your mind has to be quiet really mm-hmm. without having the focus and concentration of something, which is what mm-hmm. is often in the way for people or, or the proper initiations or whatever. But, you know, I don't know. And I said, well, how do I, have, oh, should I have this great boyfriend and my, you know, I have this great job now, my money. I said, yeah, usually people who everything in their life is going great don't really come deeply seeking on the spiritual path. So, wow, right? When we have these things that are uncomfortable, they will challenge us to awaken our powers and our yearning to be with the sacred. So beautiful. Exactly what what I was almost getting at yesterday because people don't come. I didn't come onto the spiritual path with everything in my life feeling awesome. I was yearning for something beyond what I could even name. And it was only my teachers that could name it that helped me understand who I am and what we're all learning for, you know, which is Mm -hmm. a sense of deep, authentic freedom. And these teachings were not always available the way that they are now. Mm. Right. I mean, these were like mystic, like, you had to prove yourself. You couldn't just pay for a yoga class and learn like that the essence of all things is love, you know, or whatever, the different things, the practice and presence and, and the transmissions that come when you're mm-hmm. teaching are very powerful and they come from lineages. People couldn't just pay to go to a festival or pay to go to ayahuasca and do that like people can do now. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you have to earn, you have to be ready. But I also feel that the universe is brilliant. And that even if you're paying, it's an energy exchange and that you're still seeking. So I just want to name that, that there's nothing wrong with paying for a class. And if you and your guides have the spiritual mm, permission or guidance to do ceremony, exchange money, hey, do what you're doing. But there, there is a sense of, of yearning that maybe that yearning is what it takes to to be open to receive, just like the feminine masculine, the yin and the yang principles, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we need to desire to receive, whether it's personal communion or, you know, intimacy or connection with another for that embodiment to take place. Mm-hmm. Will you talk a little bit about the power of integrating personal desire for like things and life and the alchemy that comes when you're when you're in spiritual practice because this i think is something that again we don't really have a lot of teachings of in our modern world that have been hidden and i know like studying the chakras helped me understand a lot back in the day and there's still a lot of confusion around people getting their needs met or like, well, I want this, but I can't, there's a lot of duality that still lives in the collective field that I think manifests as, as war and conflict between each other. Mm. So do you have certain 
ways that you, is it, yeah, is the answer yoga that you help people come into congruency with themselves or that you see could help people to come out of confusion around kind of their personal self and their spiritual path um, that you think could be also maybe just an extension of what you've already shared or a good nugget to help people to come into integrity. Because in my experience, coming into personal integrity and alignment with my higher energy, my Lord, helps me feel unapologetic, confident, clear-minded, you know, gives me permission to take care of myself. And all of these things help fill my cup to be able to love the people that are in my life from a full place. So I know it's a lot, but I know that you're capable of tracking on all these levels. So um, what do you think could help people to weave those parts of themselves so they can come into congruency? So uh, just to kind of uh, boil that down to a simple-ish question, which would be, how do we like, thank you live in the world on a really basic level, um, but also have this really powerful spiritual practice or spiritual understanding. Well, maybe, um, maybe that is part of it. Like the, the, the practice is the way to be, to, to know that you're spiritually connected, but also do you. You know, and I yeah. feel like people like even they categorize like, oh, that person over there is so spiritual. God, whatever. I just want a burger, you know, and so we we separate. Yes, totally. Well, I think um, the, the, there are specific practices um, for that. And I am way, way into them. For example, um, just nice. taking two different parts of yourself and feeling them at the same time. For example, your head and your heart. Now, head head energy and heart energy. Oh my God, they're so they're so different. Um, you know, head energy, and pelvic energy. Oh my gosh, they're like so different. <laughs> yeah. But to 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 spend some time and to kind of get into the pelvic region and like feel what that's like, and then and then to kind of think about it some and and see how that's so different, and then be with those same things at the those two different places in your body at the same time, mm-hmm. such a powerful practice. Now you have to cultivate, you have to get really in your body to do it. Right. Which takes a little bit of like maybe some movement and some breathing or something, but to really get there is really powerful practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hold opposites, any opposites, like the difference between, you know, routine and ritual to hold both those things at the same time. That's really powerful practice, you know, mm-hmm. to feel to feel divinely free. Have you ever felt like, I mean, you could, all of you, everybody listening can, can think of a time that they felt like every cell in their body felt radically expansive and free, mm-hmm. uncontainable, so free. And then to, and to actually cultivate that feeling and then go, well, what's the opposite of that? And then, and then feel how that is a contractive nature, like right there with it, because those aren't two different things. At least mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. not as an in the body experience. Those are two, two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. So to go to, you know, for example, to feel these two different body parts or to feel that are really different or to feel radically free and the opposite of that, which is really quite painful, usually for most people, some people it's not, but, and then, but to be with those things and practice being with those things at the same time and to do that a little bit every day. That's so powerful. Very powerful. I mean, yeah. that is like such a powerful practice. And mm-hmm. so, 
Anybody can do that. Yeah. Anybody can do that. Yeah. Anybody can do it. Now, some people needed to be guided at first, the first few times, um, which takes a good, you know, somebody that has experience, but um, you might not understand the power of it at first until somebody's walked you, you know, gotten you so far into your body that you're like, oh my God, that was crazy. You know, yeah. once you felt it a few times, you know, you can, you can, if you're dedicated, at least you can, um, you can practice it. You can, there's there's a lot of reasons that people can't. And that that's where I think the trauma work and the deepening of presence really helps and doing movement and exercise. Like the way that I see what you're saying is really putting awareness. And I do this as well with my people and with myself, putting awareness, bringing awareness to these places, but there's a lot of places where people are numb and people find numbness or they can't feel anything which to me is a sign that our energy is, this is how my men, one of my main mentors taught me is that our energy can be out in an experience, right? It could be out, who knows? It could be your great grandma's experience. It could be a past life. You don't need to even know what it is. <clears throat> Although eventually it, stuff kind of reveals itself yeah, to you. Yeah. Right. But there, I agree. That's if, me. I mean, right. that's me. I can't feel like, I mean, stuff comes up for me and I'm like, you know, like almost 30 years of practice, like in the body, I can't, I can't I, track I can it kind of sometimes since it's there, but I'm like, Oh my God, I just have pain. I, like, what is it? I don't mm. even know. You yeah. Know? And we were just trained to be disassociated from an early age. At least I was. So people that is me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. all of us in a sense. Well, yeah. Condition. Yeah. Finding those, finding those areas. But what I'm saying is that if people, mm-hmm. if you guys are listening and you try this and you find that, you know, the invitation is actually how I like to work with people. If they feel like they're frozen or stuck or can't get anything is really start with grounding, like, mm-hmm. because it creates a, a foundation of safety mm-hmm. so that you can feel supported because you might not feel safe to go into those areas. So that could come up Huge. and, and breath. And, and of course you can work with Joe, you can reach out to me, you can contact us and we'll be sharing Joe's information um, here in a minute and his site and stuff so that you can get personalized support. So people that have done the work can hold space for you. Absolutely. Like when certain people come and they, you can tell they have a lot of trauma. I'll actually have them not work in the torso. Mm. Have them like stay out of their torso because I send them to a trauma therapist and then come back yeah. to me in two years. Yeah, exactly. There's something like that. Yeah. Cause it's just too much to just like go right into the body. So it could be, I'm, it I'm could. glad you brought that up because that needs to be mentioned in this context that not everybody can just go straight into the body, which is what I teach in my classes. Right. You know, I teach but people right away, a, get right in the body. And it's too much for some people. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of movement happening in, in asana class where you're moving the chi and you're waking up the body and you're waking. So it is a container and then you're in the group field, which helps accentuate it. And cause the field is expanding. So you're in the presence of a conscious field. So it, it's wonderful. I love, I love those classes. Yeah. Sometimes people can still get in their hands and their feet and soften their face and not get into like the deeper tissues again of the, you know, from the neck to the pelvis, they can stay out of that area, but they can start getting into their body by, um, and these uh, really superficial levels, which is super powerful as well. They're just not ready to feel like their heart area or their pelvis area. Right. Or sensations on the skin or your clothes on your back or your hair or the breeze. Yeah. Totally. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. Great. Embodiment work, integration work, weaving awareness of your field. So helpful. I would love it if you wanted to share a practice 
um, with the community, a little meditation and awareness, and we can just do it right now. Okay. That sounds great. Okay. So this is, this is, uh, you might be tempted to, um, say I'm done because you don't, you know, maybe you're driving or something like that. And you can do this still while you're driving. It's safe. Um, or you could, uh, wait till a little bit later. So you could be a little more present with it or, but I do encourage you to try this. It's super simple. And you've done stuff like this before, but I just want to, I just want you to turn something really, it's really mundane. Like for example, the breath into something that is, uh, really sacred. So take a moment and just feel your breath. As you feel your breath, I like to say frame your breath. So this practice is going to have a beginning and it's going to have an end. And we're going to fill this frame, you know, like a picture frame in an in art gallery or something. We're going to fill this frame with something really special. It's really quite mundane. It's the breath, but we're going to fill it, fill this time period. And we're going to make artistry with our breath. So as you bring your attention to your breath, first of all, recognize that the breath is mundane. We, we, it happens on its own. We do it about 22, 23,000 times a day we breathe. But see if you can bring your whole self to the breath in a way that you even give a sense of honor, appreciation, dare I say, I think on, on this one, I can say worship of the breath. And when the breath comes in, just honor it like a guest coming into your home. And, you know, the Dalai Lama, it'd be really cool if the Dalai Lama came to my home, you know, like, or, or just mother nature, you know, mm, invited in. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming. And then the way out, wonderful, wonderful to have you. Thanks so much for being here. Just do that a few times. Because remember, the activity is not what's sacred. It's how you bring yourself to it. Turn this next breath into a ritual. Let Mother Nature come in and bless you on the inhale. And on the way out, ah, oh, thank you so much for having Thank you so much for being here, you know. And then bring your hands in front of your heart. People have been doing this, uh, this gesture this mudra for thousands of years is called Anjali Mudra. And make it a, a ritual. Not a routine, but a ritual. At the same time, don't diss the routine. Routine's great. I love routine. I can't always do ritual. Whatever's a mean to an end, that's fine. We make this moment right now ritual. 
and then release your hands and then come back to what you're doing. Awesome. Thank you. That was sweet. Um, I have to say something and then I want to let everyone know. I'd love for you to let everyone know how they can follow up with you. So this is so important that we, that we integrate the sacred because life is sacred. It's a frequency to live from an honoring. And again, there's a lot of people that aren't religion in religion anymore, but it doesn't mean that we can't experience the sanctity and the spirit of life and the spirit of things. And you can create your own ritual. I learned this from one of my native elders, who's a Dakota traditional elder. We did traditional ceremonies, but also he appreciated when somebody would have an idea for a spontaneous ritual for a healing. And we would integrate sound healing and laws of vibration and light into what we're doing. And so I'd like to see us awaken. And on Awaken Life Radio, we talk about awakening the intuition and cultivating flow and divine service and healing. But none of that is possible if we are not in communion with the sacred. Yeah. So thank you for this. Um, reminder and these teachings today it's been really wonderful yeah if you're really present like if it's really a ritual and you're really present in it like insight will come it won't even be from your past possibly but you'll have insight that you've never had before that's right so yeah i appreciate you bringing that up yeah and those practices of of weaving together the different parts of yourself help you to be present so that you can practice the rituals with your, with your whole heart. You know, it's so good. Good, 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 good job. Thank you so much. So good. Thank you. How can our people follow up with you? Mm So, um, you know, I just, uh, I teach a lot of yoga. I teach, uh, you know, really basic 200 hour teacher trainings. Mm -hmm. Um, I, at, I teach uh, 300 hour teacher trainings. I do continuing education. I work with people privately. I mentor people and uh, mostly at the Asheville Yoga Center, which actually mm-hmm. you mentioned Dr. Vasant Odd. Yes. Um, he just recently, uh, an organization called Are You Prana purchased the place that I teach. Mm-hmm. And they're, in it, they're run by a board. Um, and Dr. Vasant Odd is head of that board. So yes. the yoga center that I teach at and the Ayurvedic Institute, Dr. Vasad, Dr. Uh, Lod's school, it's now one location, one place, one so good. idea. We even have, uh, we're even working on a common mission statement, which is Beautiful. elevate, which we think right now is going to be elevating consciousness. So uh, there's a lot of cool things going on in my world. And there's a lot of things, cool things going on uh, where I live. And there's a lot of cool things happening all over mm-hmm. the place, even though there's a lot of crazy, weird stuff happening. There's also some really cool stuff happening. And can we hold those both at the same time? <laughs> That's a, right. That's right. So if you guys uh, want to follow up, you can go to Joe Taft yoga, Joe Taft, T-A-F-T yoga.com. And I will post his site in the show notes as well. Thank you so much.
Ronnie, thank you so much for having me. It's always so fun to talk with you. So now we got to do it for other people to hear because this is like a regular conversation in a sense, you know. I know. So you thank really you bring that. Sure. You really bring that. So thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to today's episode, and I sure hope you did, you can listen to Awaken Life Radio wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To join the conversation, hop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Awakened Life Tribe. You can join us there and share any thoughts, feelings, insights, or questions that you have from listening to Awaken Life Radio, and we can interact and connect more. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Namaste. Namaste.